Welcome to another edition of the Calgary Sessions. I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. This is episode number nine. Um, my guest this week is, uh, this one will be really cool. Um, him and I go way back. I can't even guess the years, but um, he's got his hands in a bunch of different things, uh, different uh, organizations, charities. Anyways, it's a, it's a crazy story. So I'll let him uh, introduce himself, name, and uh, pick a company that you uh, own and operate right now. <laughs> hey, man, how you doing? Um, we're probably going back to, shit, early 80s? Yep. Yeah, we probably, Tyke Novice Hockey is when we started playing against each other. Um, my name is Alex Hallett, uh, born and raised in Calgary. Um, grew up in Rundle, Northeast Calgary. Played all my minor hockey uh, right up through uh, junior up here and with the Calgary Royals. And then uh, after that, went out east a little bit of university and came back and made uh, Calgary home again. And uh, here we are today. And, and the company, well, the first company you started? Uh, well, a little bit of history. Yeah, I started right after university working for Enzyme Drilling. Yep. I uh, went on the rigs and uh, spent about 12 years there in marketing drilling rigs. And then in 2012, um, myself, uh, Frank Pimisker and Dave Sapungis, uh, Ryan Knievel and Paul Colburn uh, started Star Valley Oilfield Services. Actually, the irony is, uh, we'll probably touch base on it, it was actually day four of the world's longest hockey game in 2012 is when we signed off on the paperwork which is kind of cool so i Crazy. haven't slept in four days <laughs> just played 80 hours of hockey and we're going through legal documents both frank and i to get this thing done so crazy man so uh how like we'll get we'll get through well a handful of his yeah. things that he's up to but the funny story about me and how like you said we grew up playing hockey against each other and you know uh, right before we got on air, got on air, we were talking about hockey and, and the era we played in, the friendships we forged, whether we played against each other or with each other, is, mm -hmm. it's it's, a, it's very different than in today's world. And the proof of that is me and Halep grew up in different sides of the town. We were, the, the funny story is we're trying out for the Junior A Royals. Yeah. And this is, you know, I'm underage. It could have been your first year and this camp. Yeah. And we're at Southland. And Alex, that when Caleb Toth knocked me out? No, man, this is, this is, well, no, I, it might've been, might've been. So yeah. I still got to talk about him. He's a prick for doing that. <laughs> Threw a left at me. I didn't know it was coming. It was all set up before the game started. So, so we're, we're in the middle of these tryouts and, you know, back then, you know, hockey was pretty aggressive, yeah. you know, and, and Hallow was a, was a tough dude. I didn't mind mixing it mm -hmm. up. And so we're in these tryouts and Alex running around, you know, he's been a crazy man. And so I get on, it's my, it's my shift. I'm like, well, I'm going to see what, see what this guy's all about. So anyways, we drop the gloves and, and, and Hal has a, I'm pretty sure you have a metal knuckle yeah, in your left yeah. hand. You're right. Steel, steel plate in my yeah. fist. Yeah. So anyways, I, I met that fist <laughs> <laughs> and we're I'm like, we're like 17, 18. I meet the fist, you know, get five or six stitches in my eyebrow and you know, I gotta go get, I gotta go get zipped up. So that yeah. was like, <laughs> that was, that's my uh, Alex Hallett story and that one goes way back and it's just so funny that you know fast forward all these years you and i can sit down we can bullshit and it's it's not even a it's not even a, a thought in our lives it's just a, it was just a we were on the ice no man it's, sports has changed so much when we were kids like i said i was telling you you know the relationships that we developed as kids to now is a bond i i look at kids now and it's more about um uh, a cyber relationship essentially with each other you know no one's really taking the time these kids right now to actually get to know each other like we did we grew up in four different quadrants 
Yeah, we were bred to hate each other. I mean, we were bred to hate. Mm -hmm. I was bred to hate the Royals and mm -hmm. the, the, the Flames and the Buffaloes, uh, you know. But at the end of the day, I still had respect for all the players. Yep. You know, as much as I wanted to go on the ice and hammer on you, I remember Kevin Kabelka was mm -hmm. coaching the Buffaloes and he'd send out Dale Pierrington after me. And, well, who, you know, who's Dale? <laughs> you fast forward 40 years later i'm still talking to the same guys yeah yeah i remember we were in uh victoria last year with my son's hockey team and yeah dale was out there you know i brought in kids weren't playing very good and uh, uh blue benefield was out there as well and so once you guys come talk to my teammates and you know they walked into the room and it looked like Jesus walked in. Mm -hmm. like, was, Monster. You know, Monsters, like six foot six. And, mm -hmm. You know, but it's cool that, you know, we're, we're trying to preach to our kids the work ethic and, and the bond that we had with one yeah. another growing up. So, no, it's cool to see uh, yeah. where we've come as, as all of us, you know. There's, totally. You know, there's probably what? We're probably two, three, four hundred strong. Totally. Uh, in our generation, yep. you know, 40-year-olds right now that still talk to one another. So, yep. it's kind of cool social media to see where everyone's at right now. But I agree. You know, but having a sit down. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. And, and like I said, if there's three or 400 guys in the city, you know, eventually I'm going to get through a bunch of them just because, you know, they're, they're going to see you on here. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna remember all these things. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to be on the show too. So it's, that's why I love Calgary. It's so small and the hockey world is even smaller, which oh, is, yeah. a, is a unique group. It's kind of cool right now to actually go coaching. And, uh, you know, even if I head up to say Edmonton or one of the other towns and just to see an old teammate yeah. or someone that I would have, uh, you know, played against, you know, 30, 40 years ago and just, mm -hmm. yeah, you crack a joke, you mm -hmm. know, we're, we're mm -hmm. a different vintage say, well, yeah. holy shit, Humphreys, yeah. <laughs> nice titties, <laughs> you know, so we can still crack, don't they say the same to me, like, holy shit, I'm, what happened to you? Like, well, okay, well, I'll call it a thyroid issue, I guess, so, you know, you feel insecure, walk away, um, but it's great to see the guys, because you still have that dressing room camaraderie, like, you know, it's, yep. it's like you're in the room still, you totally. see a lot of these guys again, totally. so. So, um, you know, the gist of the show, artists, entrepreneurs, athletes, yeah. um, you had a, a lengthy hockey career and the entrepreneurial side of what you're up to is, you know, intriguing to me. Um, so, yeah, what I like to do is to take the guests back as far as they want to yeah. go. You know, how you grew up, just, you know, the, the things that started to happen in your life that kind of led you to where you are today, you know, why you decided to become an entre entrepreneur and, you know, the athletic side. So, yeah, mm -hmm. just wheel us back into uh, the Northeast back in the heyday and just kind of growing up and, and what you're interested in and anything. Just growing up in the Northeast, it was all about loyalty and, and, and friendship. So, you know, you go back to, you know, I got a lot of childhood friends, but probably Marco Oliverio and Lou Oliverio, my brother and myself probably stem back to still being together. You know, Josh St. Louis, Brent Balecki, Mike Broda, mm -hmm. that's still our original clique and you're going back 30, 40 years. And uh, yeah, growing up in the Northeast, you got challenges, uh, obviously demographic challenges, depending on uh, uh, what, what culture you're from, what ethnic background you're from. A lot of players or a lot of folks tend to you know, follow that route. And unfortunately, yeah, you got some, some bad apples and you got some good apples. You know, I, I attribute hockey to, uh, uh, to keeping a guy straight, you yeah. know, keeping a guy in line and focused on a goal. And, you know, growing up with Marco and all the boys kept me focused and, Went on to play, uh, actually, I'll tell you a story. Did you hear how I met Marco Oliveira? No. So one time we were kids and <laughs> me and my brother are sitting in the front yard and, and in the Northeast, you got blocks. So you kind of stick to your own block. And uh, I remember sitting there and with my brother in the front yard and all of a sudden you hear uh, 
a bunch of bikes come around the corner. They had hockey carts. Oh, yeah. yeah so it sounds like yeah, mufflers or whatever. A bunch of losers <laughs> coming in, Marco and Luch. And I heard a bunch of mufflers coming in and look over, and it was Marco and his brother and a bunch of other Italians coming in. And uh, so we stand up, and then, you know, I'm I'm a big kid, and so is Marco. And then you get Lou Oliverio, that's two years younger than us. Well, he looks like he's 40 years old at the age of 12. Full beard already. Remember you shaving that? <laughs> he's going to kill me when he sees this. <laughs> Luke gets up and hands up, uh, he beat up my brother. So that's it. That's how we first met him. Fast forward a couple weeks later, we're at public skating at Village Square. I look on the ice. There's that Marco guy. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. Chase him around the ice. Who comes on? The 40-year-old man-child comes on the ice and chases me around the ice. So I think he kicked my ass, actually, and the ice marshal had to stop him, but I can't remember. And uh, about two weeks after that, we try out, and Marco and I end up on the same team. And that was in Pee Wee. So, uh, and that's when the friendship kind of clicked and then grew up from here. So, but went on to play Calgary North Stars with all the boys. Uh, pretty good run. Remember the era back then? Like, yep. there were some pretty strong teams. I remember. Were you in Quebec with us? Yep. You know, I remember, uh, didn't you guys actually get suspended? Well, not some of the guys Some did. of the guys. I remember yeah. walking in the rink and you got uh, Kinger and a bunch yep. of the boys behind the bench. <laughs> sitting behind the bench watching. <laughs> so, uh, for breaking curfew. And uh, I know this is a PG story, so I'm not really going to talk about the... <laughs> <laughs> the lodge we were all staying did you guys stay at the lodge we stayed we stayed you know it's so funny you remember mike mcleod yeah so i interviewed him a little while ago with with tail gunner and we were talking about this exact quebec trip yeah. and and the buffs and and the royals stayed in the basement of this like old russian army barrack oh is that what they said we, we had to bust in and out yeah. so i don't know where you guys stayed We stayed at the ski lodge oh yeah we did not stay yeah there. they put us at a ski lodge and uh there's a lot of firsts for a lot of players nope. that, 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 that weekend came <laughs> back. So we're going to keep that out of here. But that was, uh, man, that, that was a fun trip. I remember that's, you know, that was my taste of playing on the road. And yep. I, was, I was 16 years old, but mm-hmm. it was an eye opener for all of us. And, yep. uh, and it's actually kind of cool. Cause I look back at, uh, I'm 44 years old right now. And I coach a kid named, uh, Luca DeFore. His dad, Reg, played in the same tournament at the no same way. time. So it's kind of cool. We talk about and he, I think he played for Drummondville. Crazy. At the time because he went on to play for the Voyageurs. And, and we sit back and we're comparing. We actually played against each other. Now he's from a different part of the country. I yeah. don't remember him playing, yeah. but now we're sitting here coaching years so later cool, together. So, which is kind of ironic. And then I ended up playing uh, my junior career here for the Calgary Royals. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, and that was even more unique because once you hit junior, it was everybody from every quadrant, boom, we're on the same team. I'm yep. talking Brad Olson, Greg Olson. Uh, you know, to this day, Brad Olson's one of my best buds. I couldn't tell you how many times I've gotten to a fist fight because the guy's a hothead. We fought a lot <laughs> against each other. Um, I, a couple of times we got into scrap in the dressing room. Poor Dave Evans. No way. Pitsy was Pitsy. stuck. Yeah, I was after the game. I think we just lost. And I was so mad, and I'm taking my skates off, and I Bruno Bassiotto's like, everyone stop. And I'm, you know what, I'm not going to listen to Bruno. Brad looked at me, he's like, hell, stop. He was the captain, right? Was uh, he the captain at that point yet? Do you know? Who's that? Olsen? Uh, no, I was captain that year. Oh, okay. I think I was captain that year. And anyways, uh, anyways, because we're both hotheads, we started chirping each other. The prick threw a punch at me. <laughs> And then it was on, but I felt bad because Dave Evans, you know, Pitsy, Pitsy doesn't, you know, he doesn't say a word. <laughs> He's stuck in the middle as we're throwing bombs at each other and fists are just flying. So, uh, but yeah, I went on and we actually still have a chat. So yeah, Christian Timponi, who came from Italy, um, you got wow. Rio King who went on, wow. you know, to be a, a, a professional outrider mm-hmm. and Chuck Wagons. 
we're still on a chat. We still talk. Millsy Hagelin, I think that was on your show as well. So it's kind of cool to see mm-hmm. a bunch of guys from different areas of the city that developed such a, a pretty cool bond. Yeah. And then from there, ended up out east uh, at a couple schools to choose from and went on to play for uh, St. Mary's University in Halifax, uh, 97 to 02. And, uh, you know, the same thing. You know, you're talking guys from all around the world. And I can tell you right now, out of all the teams I played on right across the country, Halifax was the most unique. Like, I mean, to go to Halifax and to this day, I'm not shitting you. We, you know, I graduated in 02 and we still talk on a daily basis. Cool. It's unreal. You know, just. Did you guys win something? Yeah, that last year, um, we won the AUS championship, which is uh, kind of ironic because I scored a goal. And uh, <laughs> double, <laughs> double or triple overtime, and uh, pretty cool story. So our goalie, my first couple of years, is Mike Weatherby. Mike Weatherby went on to the CIS Academic All Canadian. Mm-hmm. The guy was just renowned, amazing goalie. And I remember that summer he got into med school, and him and my centerman actually both got into med school, and which is great. They're going to Dalhousie now, and they were going to play for Dal. So I remember sitting there talking to Mike, and he said, "Al, the day you score on me." Is the day I quit hockey. So okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm never going to score on Mike. Mike's good. Fast forward to playoffs. We all remember these conversations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, and fast forward to playoffs. You know, a year later, we're playing triple overtime game five. And I scored on the fucker. And it was his last game. And yeah, like I felt bad. It was Mike. But I, a couple months later, I said, hey, Mike, you know, I sent him a picture. I think I just sent a notice. Shit, it might have been about three weeks ago, just reminding him again. It was an f- article that someone sent me from awesome. that game. So, awesome. hey, Mike, you still playing again? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but you know, we're still good buddies. We go on, and you laugh about this stuff, yeah. you know, 20, 25 years later. Uh, we actually got inducted into the Hall of Fame last October. Cool, man. And you get these cool ideas. Wick, I'm going back to Halifax. We're going to party. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. And then reality kicks in. You get there, and... Fuck it. It's almost 10 o'clock. I got to get home for the news at 11, guys. <laughs> and there wasn't many guys that argued it. They're like, yeah, you know, we should get going back to the hotel. So that's when the age kicks in. I can't totally. stay up till four in the morning no, anymore. Man. You know, I really want to watch the news and go to bed. And I'll see you guys at 5 a.m. for a coffee. So, you know. So. The new realities. Oh, man. It's uh, it, it's awesome. I love it. You know, the journey through hockey to where it got us now. And, yep. you know, the contacts that we've made and, yep. you know, and the, the things that we've got to do to help others over the course of the years by simply leveraging our contacts and friends that we've made playing such a unique sport, whether it's hockey, football, basketball, it doesn't matter, you know, but it's just to make the effort to maintain those contacts and, and and build those bonds. Not saying you got to call someone every day, but you know what? Show honesty and truth in someone's relationship. Like fuck, I haven't talked to you in how long, dude, but you know what? I'll, I'll always be loyal to guys I grew up with. I'll always be honest to guys I grew up with yep. and give time to guys I grew up with, um, you know, just to help each other out totally. and to work with each other and to make a, you know, you know, if it means doing a charity one day or something yep. to help a kid, yep. you know, grab a meal or buy him some underwear, or buy him some socks and shoes and books and pencils. Yep. So, basics. you know, that's the basics in life. You know, yep. we were pretty fortunate for the things that we have and totally what our parents have sacrificed to get us. Remember our parents grew up in the eighties. You're talking 18% interest rates. Dude, 81. And, you know, like my old man, my dad was a carpenter. Me what too. Way? <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah. My dad so, framed houses for 35 years. Yeah. So we were actually talking about this the other day, uh, just the economy in general. And, uh, we were talking about 18% interest rates and all yeah. that. And, and I remember, uh, my dad said he was fortunate at that time. I said, why? Cause that's when they're building the Peter Lloyd hospital. And he luckily got, 
the project manager gig that time. No so we actually got through that time. It's things like that, that I didn't know yeah. literally until about four days ago. And he That's told so me, crazy, hey? and I always thought at that time, cause you hear the stories like shit, did we almost lose our house in the eighties? Mm -hmm. I would have been seven years old. Mm -hmm. I really wouldn't have known. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, we were lucky at that time because, uh, you know, we had a job, but what were they making two, three yeah. bucks an hour back Good. then? You know, so. So it's so crazy. Well, obviously we had no idea. So, you know, my dad, my dad was a fireman and built houses for 35 years. So yeah. he built our place that they're still in in Strathcona in 81 with an interest rate of like 18, 19%. That's unreal. And, you know, so that he's working five jobs, mom's yeah. taking care of three kids, like chaos. And now, you know, fast forward today, there's a, you know, there's a bunch of different scenarios, different issues, but I couldn't imagine going through that back then. Yeah, but you don't see that. Like my parents have been in their house. My dad built it in 75 and he still has the same neighbors. Do your parents still have the same neighbors? Uh, no, the, no, because we lived in a cul-de-sac and they're all, they've all flipped. Yeah, no, for us, it's, uh. He's in the same house? Same house. And, um, he, and he built it? Same, what's that? And he built it? He built it, but, uh, <laughs> we have the same neighbors. Like, my dad has the same neighbors going on 45 years. And it's kind of cool because I can still go back and it reminds me of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that I grew up seeing, my son and my kids, my daughters get to see it. Yeah. My son was actually born in that house because at that time I was building a house in Chestermere and my and we were living at my parents while we were building. So my son, was, you know, he lives in, we, we're just outside of Calgary. But if you ask him, I'm from the Northeast. He's yeah. so proud to say he's from so the Northeast. Crazy, man. And uh, so that was his first home. Um, but it's cool to go back. And yeah, some people have moved on just due to mm -hmm. age. They passed on, um, you know, my, my dad's one neighbor, June, you know. So, you know, we still check on her. Like, I, I love it because I've known her my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, do I ever want to see anything happen to these neighbors? No, of course not. Yeah. Uh, but they become a part of your life. So yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of cool that your parents are still in the same house. Dude. I love going back and yeah. i don't know what i'd ever have to do i don't think i could ever sell that house um yeah, yeah you know just too many memories too yeah. many childhood memories too Dude. many sleepovers in the basement yeah. and all of it you know and you know adam redmond grew up right across the alley from us mm -hmm. and uh i remember you know telling my kid we used to play street hockey out here like mm -hmm. you don't see that shit anymore yeah you know i was here i play on ps4 well, what are you learning on ps4 man yeah call your buddies just come play street hockey and you know um my kid's no different than others. I think we played maybe three times street hockey at our house. Mm -hmm. it drives me nuts. It drives me bananas. Because we're growing up. That's all we did. That's all we had. What like were we going to do? Like just what would we have back then? Dial up. We had dial up internet, mm -hmm. so we couldn't get on. Mm -hmm. Atari, ColecoVision. Yeah. You know, we didn't have any of the it's technology outside. they had now. And um, it was cheap to be outside. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> that was, I that was the, the big thing for us. I, oh, I remember sitting in the garage with my brother trying to build a hockey stick out of baseboards. You know, like it was flat, wide, and you're trying to make sure the blade's long enough. And you can't swing a hammer. I'm using, oh. like, I'm using, you know, finishing nails to put it together. So, um, but no, it, it's it's cool. I love going back to the northeast yep. and um, you know, and sitting here with guys like you, and always thinking unique unique ways to. What can we do to help people? Yep. Know, which led us to doing the world's longest hockey game yep. in 2012 and 14. Totally. You know, we did that game. Uh, we played for, shit, 248 hours, roughly, right around there. But a lot of that was a brainstorm of, man, I could tell you, I would say 70% of the players are guys we grew up with, mm -hmm. you know, from all around Calgary, yep. which is kind of cool. You know, guys like Terry Ferguson. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I played in memory of Brad Tilford's dad. Mm -hmm. You know, the first one I played in memory of my, for my brother uh, after his battle of cancer. And uh, uh, actually, I was kind of stepped back as to how that game started. Yeah, this, um, is, this is this is a, th this game, you know, like 
it's a it's a big thing and and, you, and i can't i don't know how many i can't remember how many times you've launched it and played it but it's a it's a big moment in what you've done because you know it helps so many people it's 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 the amount of energy it takes to pull it off is you know mind-boggling to me just because i've played the game to to play it for x you know hours and hours and hours yeah. i don't know how you actually do it physically you'll so, hate yeah. the game after this yeah. you absolutely hate it so get, get <laughs> into get into this this one this one's a cool story because it's um yeah it's it's super unique man yeah so we did um a good buddy of mine on our, we played hockey with uh, lyle marshall his daughter was diamond marshall she was the one girl that had cancer and i don't know if people remember back in 2011 she's the one that met the princess when she yep. came off the plane she was a little girl yep. uh, unfortunately uh, diamond's no longer here anymore um but I remember her going through her chemo and her, and all that. At the same time, my brother had B cell lymphoma and he was, it was stage three aggressive cancer. And, and my brother was a tough kid. Like he was a tough, tough kid. And seeing what he was going through, I'm thinking, how can Lyle's little girl go through the same thing? And she's probably all but 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I talked to Leslie Plumley. I don't know if you remember Leslie. Leslie's a gal that grew up in Calgary. She's worked with the Canucks for a number of years. Okay. And said, uh, we got to do something for, to raise money for, to help kids with cancer. I don't know anything about childhood cancer. So what can we do? I said, I, I don't know. They just finished a game up in Edmonton. I should see if, uh, you know, what game is it? It's the world's longest hockey game. But they played it outdoors. Well, we can't play it outdoors in Calgary because of the weather. Like mm -hmm. this weekend, from yeah. 20 degrees to minus 20 over day. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be in the bottom of a lake. <laughs> and, uh, and at that point... Uh, I contacted Lyle. I said, hey, this is what I want to do. I think we should play the world's longest game. And that's kind of how the game got going. Um, now, a lot of guys throw fundraisers or a lot of players throw fundraisers. Like golf, golf tournaments or whatever. Yeah, like. they throw up. But this one had a meaning. And it had a meaning because to play in the game, all 40 guys had to have a story. Meaning I just didn't want Joe Blow. I had a 1,000 guys I wanted to play. Mm -hmm. But they only wanted to play because they wanted to set a record. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I appreciate the fact you want to do that. And maybe you can raise money, but I need guys with a, a reason. And, and, and all 40 players signed up. You know, we had one, one player that played Doyle. Um, you know, his sister passed away, mm -hmm. uh, during the game. He was playing in her honor. Liam Huchilek's sister also passed away. Haggis, his mother-in-law passed away. This is all during the game. Mm -hmm. They're playing for family members. This, uh, um, our fundraiser for, for childhood cancer, but they were still battling adult cancer. Yep. And the game just morphed and it just started getting momentum. Where was it? Was uh, it in we held it out in Chestermere. Yep. Yeah. So it, uh, and it, the reason we held it there is just, I live in Chestermere, but logistically it, it worked for us because under Guinness book rules, you, you can't leave the facility. You can't step foot out of the facility. Once the game starts mm -hmm. 20 on 20, you can't switch teams. You can't add players. So as players leave, like, you know, Liam and Haggis had to leave, obviously, to yep. to deal with family stuff. We were down to 18 players, you know. And we had guys that are, you know, I broke my foot and broke my ribs. I can't leave because if I leave, I'm going to screw my teammates over. We still mm -hmm. had 248 hours of that time to play. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, over how long? So I that was over 10 days. It was so like, what's it, what's it, what, what was the record? It was how many hours over 10 days? Oh, man, you're going back to 2011. It was, our first one was 248 hours. I think our next one was 252 hours. Over 10 days. Over, yeah, straight. It's, yeah. 20, it's 24 hours. It's just 24 like, hours a day. So you just keep playing. And uh, it, it's a challenge on the body. Like it's, uh, you learn a lot about your body. You think yep. you're in shape mm -hmm. and you're strong. It doesn't mean shit. And, and you grew up playing hockey. You're just like, yeah, I can skate it. You know, I've had yeah. some tough practices, but I can... But I can't imagine, man. You know, like, you feel things in your back. Like, I, like, you know, 
one guy I'll give half, uh, Scott Logan. Remember Scotty Logan? Logan, yeah. And uh, Josh Hessler. Oh, yeah. Uh, and both played. Guy, both played and Mark Hardy. <laughs> Those guys were a savior to play goalie. Yep. For 16 hours or 18 hours in a day, mm -hmm. nearly killed my, like, I only did a couple shifts yep. and my back was going to explode. Just that position, yeah, heavy that gear, position. like up, down, up, down. You know, and I'm going to admit now, we did a little bit of cheating during the game. So it wasn't really cheating. So my team was on the east end of the arena. That's where the camera was facing down. I'm going to tell the guys this now because they didn't know this on the other team. Good. So when their goalie on the other end was sitting there dying. <laughs> We actually had a stool in the net. No way. Because the camera couldn't see it. No way. So like guys like Essler and guys, we would be actually sitting. So, <laughs> so when this gets out, guys are going to be pissed and say, so when we do the next game, we're going to actually announce another game. And because I run the event, I'm going to be staying at the same end again. So, so that saved our asses, man. I guess Crazy. saved our asses, you know, but to play such a cool game, I remember sitting there and, and, uh, you know, just you eat and eat and eat. And I remember sitting there in net and you're eating a pizza as the guy's coming down to score. You know, the amount you got to put in your body just to yep. get through it. I, you know, I ate almost 20,000 calories That's what a it day. Was, hey? 20, I was going to guess 10, but like. No, no, it was like, and I still lost like two pounds a day. No way. The problem was when the game was over, you still continue to eat like an animal. Mm-hmm. And then I just ballooned. Like, it's just, you know, it's a matter of maintaining that discipline after yep. not eating. But, yep. um, but you know, we're looking forward to We're going to do another one. We're going to do a press release here in a couple weeks. And, and and how many have how many games have you launched? We've done two. So okay. after I did my second one in 2014, we, uh, we teamed up with a group out of Buffalo and helped them do it there. So they've done it a couple of times. Yep. Uh, Brent Sakes crew. So Brent is the Oilers team doctor. He basically started that he started the whole thing basically he gotcha. started it probably i think it would have been in 2004 or something like that yeah and just did it year after year those guys are a different breed in edmonton like those guys you know hats off to them they're playing at minus 37 outdoors you know could i do it yeah 100 percent, i could do i want to prefer not to yeah don't really want to skate at minus 37 yeah um this year they were nuts i think it got down to what, minus 50 a couple times there and they yeah. still kept playing so what's, what's the new record um so it's two six about 260. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, right now we're just going through the logistics. So right now you want the game and a lot of key things. You actually want the game to end at a certain time. And that time is actually during the six o'clock news. Right. So we had to schedule the whole game mm -hmm. to end at that time. Now here's the downfall. Either it could have started at noon on a Thursday, but which is a little too early. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're starting at eight o'clock on a Thursday night. It's going to give us the ability. Now for us to do that, it's actually going to beat their record by something like four hours, which four hours doesn't seem like much mm -hmm. because you know, it's not about breaking the record. We don't care about the yeah. record. It's about raising money. And uh, I'd like to ideally break it by about two minutes. So the next group can do it. But the only reason is logistically yeah. to end at that time uh, at 6 PM when, you know, the news starts, you know, the last time we did it, the news, uh, we ended at 601. That's the end time. So all of it, it looked like Super Bowl outside. It was amazing, mm -hmm. man. You look outside, there's cameras everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the Children's Hospital, which runs their uh, server through Ontario, they actually thought they were getting cyber hacked at the no time. Way. They were getting hits from all around the world. We're talking like from Africa, from Germany, from Switzerland, Sweden, Scotland, Ireland, Lebanon, Morocco, Russia, China. It didn't matter. Cool. They thought they were getting cyber hacked, but the numbers were going up, 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 up. So, uh, so we found that's the one unique thing is let's end at that time. Hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of things come into play. Yeah, you want to play in March. A lot of times, yeah, you try to target it, and this is where my business hat comes on. 
you try to target it right after everyone posts Q4 results. Yeah. So, you know, I, I get guys right now, hey, I want to throw a fundraiser. Okay, when? August. Well, okay, well, what's our target? Who's going to target it? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. We'll just do a Facebook post. Well, no, man, you need to have a reasoning as to the timing, you know, and, you know, a big part, we do the oil Olympics every year. Yep. Oil Olympics has been around for 25 years. We've raised millions of dollars. Yeah, it is during breakup, but it's strategically also a good time because companies are posting Q4 results. Mm -hmm. Now, the companies in an oil patch that play in it already get it, so they're already going to donate. Whereas the hockey marathon or the world's longest game, we're going outside of our realm, outside yeah. of oil and gas. Yeah. So it's nice when you can target, you know, trucking companies, mm -hmm. uh, aerospace companies, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, beverage companies, anything. You know, as, as soon as they post the results, it's pretty tough for a guy when I, oh, shit, you just made $700 million. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Good job. Thanks. And by the way, we're raising money for cancer. So, it's a hard, yeah, it's a hard no. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 you know, it's, most people are good. Like, you know what? No matter what, even if they lost $700 million, yeah. they're still going to donate. So, totally. Calgary's a, a pretty, uh, pretty giving community uh i've seen it change over the years it's not like when we were kids remember how tight calgary mm -hmm. used to be and mm -hmm. everyone talks about how awesome calgary yeah it's still a great city but yeah. i don't see that bond or that unity that like, we grew up with yeah you know it's it's, it's a big city now yes yeah, it's, it's massive it's it's huge now so it'd be nice to see it come back one day to all that love that we used to see you know walking down the street and totally you know everyone being friendly to one another yep. so we'll see so, how um what's really interesting is you know when you're talking about deciding when to launch these things. Mm. I never would have thought about being strategic of the time of year to do mm. it. You know, when you're, when you're running your businesses, do you think, and I don't know what your school background is, but we're being, a, being an entrepreneur. And I don't know if you'd like that word or mm. not, but do you, where's your strength? Is it on the marketing side? Is it like the, you know, for you to make that decision, I'm going to run this event based on you know, like Q4 revenue, yeah. potentially, yeah. It's an interesting way to look at it. You know, a lot of business owners wouldn't do that. They would just look at it. They'd look at the break in their own schedule and figure it out. Where does your, how does your head work on the business side? You know, where's your, where's your strengths, you think? My strength is not business. Like it's, my, my strength is working, having the ability to work with people. Um, you know, at Star Valley, I have unique partners that are great at business. You know, my one partner, Ryan, is it's what he loves to do. He's a business guy. You know, I got, you know. Um, uh, our major shareholder, Paul Colburn, he, he's a jack of both. You know, he does both. He's amazing at business, but he's amazing at relationships. I find myself, I'm really good at relationships and having the ability to work with others to achieve a goal. Um, yeah, you delegate, like I delegate a lot, but I, you know, I can't handle everything on my own. I'm, uh, I'm great at thinking of an idea. But I'm terrible at the finished product. You know, hey, my grammar is probably bad. Or yeah, join the club. You know, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Man, it's terrible. That's uh, so I wish I could do voice to text on everything. Um, but I'm great at working with others, and that, these are the attributes you yeah. you pick up from playing sports. You know, and to work with other kids and and and, and I own um, people of different demographics. Uh, essentially, in sports, you got to become a chameleon to become successful in sports. I need to become a chameleon. As much as I hate you, you played, for, you know, for a different quadrant. Yep. But you know what? I have to make myself like you. I'm going to change my color to your color. We're now a team. Yep. So, um, and that's what's taught me in life. Like, I just need to be a good teammate. And any of my organizations that I work with, whether on the charitable or on the business side, is to get the most out of others. And uh, not in terms of revenues, but in terms of 
ability to complete a task. Yep. So, and I, and I work alongside them. You know, one person I work closely with, Leslie. Leslie is my backbone on all my charities and all my events. Um, Leslie and I have different uh, different attributes. Uh, I'm great at thinking of an idea, driving her nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great at the analytical things, like dealing with permits and AHS yep. and all that shit. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm good at dealing with people. Gotcha. So, um, especially trying to find fundraisers, she's terrible at it, but she's great at putting the brochure together for me to take out and say, Hey, gotcha. Humper, do you want to yep. donate here? So, yep. um, so no, that's, that's the one thing, you know, with any success that I've had in, in, in business or in sports, uh, whether on the coaching level, playing level, on the management level, is just trying to get the most out of my people or my, my coworkers, my yep. teammates, my players. So, and how did you, how did you decide or when did you decide? Was it a, did something switch in your head saying, I want to start my own thing versus go work for somebody? Like, was there growing up, you know, even going through school or, you know, playing hockey, did you always know you wanted to do your own thing or is this just something that you kind of fell into or where, where do you think it is? My, so I grew up, I grew up hardworking. I remember as a kid, my dad would get me up in the morning. We're going to build fences and decks and garages and all that stuff. That's where my work ethic came. My first taste of business. Do you remember play? Uh, do you remember Tyler Murray? Yeah. Tyler Muzzy, uh, Trevor Murray's younger brother. Yeah. And I remember we got out of university and it was such a cool thing. So remember Bermuda short state. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I was sitting there with Tyler and Tyler's your age, I think, or you're younger. I said, let's, we got to, let's start something. Let's going to make some money. Like, you know, we're, don't have any money. We're broke. Like, so mm-hmm. so we, we actually came out and we went, uh, I think it was 2003. We literally went and booked every single bar in Calgary. Now, Bermuda Short Stay, for those that don't know, is the biggest party in the University of Calgary back in the day. I don't even know if it's around anymore. And so we went and booked every single bar in, univers- in, in Calgary. I mean, Cowboys and Outlaws and everything. So what we did then, they gave us all the tickets. We then went to the associations. So whether it's the chess club, the basketball, football, hey, we're throwing Bermuda shorts day. You know, our cost was, I think it was, I think it was free at the time. Just get people in the bar. <laughs> so we said, hey, you know what? Hey, Humper, your team. It's $10 a ticket. You guys saw them for 15 You keep $5. Done. That was our first taste of money. So we actually started throwing these massive Bermuda shorts day parties. Hmm. And I remember walking late at night in the university with, uh, with with Murray, and we're just putting up posters everywhere for all the different associations. Mm-hmm. You know, women's basketball, men's basketball, you know, the rugby team, the baseball team, the hockey team. Yeah. And it just started to come. So I think we did that for three or four years. Hmm. Um, um, obviously, illegally back then because, you know, we didn't know anything about taxes or anything. Yeah. It was all cash. Yeah, yeah. So I probably just cash simplicated is myself. But that was 20 <laughs> years ago, so they can't audit me on that. Um, <laughs> um, but that was my first taste of actually – trying to make money. And then at that point, you know, I graduated university and I, and I worked downtown and it was kind of unique. So good friend of mine, Paul Coburn, um, got me in at Enzyme and I went and worked on the rigs and I was fortunate enough to work at Enzyme uh, for 12 years. And I worked under uh, a gentleman named Rick Simonton and Bob Geddes, Selby Porter. And as well, at the end of the day, we were all under Murray Edwards. And I learned a ton about business there. I turned around, you know, uh, the unique thing about that organization was, yeah, Murray owns the Calgary Flames. So he's the owner of the Calgary Flames. He's a sports guy. But everyone under him, all the upper management was all ex-players, hmm. from Rick Simonton to, you know, to Bob Geddes to all my bosses were all ex-players. Yep. Everyone on my level was all ex-players. Not just hockey, but we're talking all sports. And that's when I really started to learn business. So that's when, at that point, I learned Rick Simonton, our boss, 
ran it like a dressing room, made everyone accountable. Mm. We'd sit every morning in our sales meetings. We'd joke around. So it was just like yeah. anyone, we'd just joke around and have fun. And then, yeah. and at that point, he would say, Alex, did you do this? Shit. Well, you know what? I dropped the ball for my team. My teammates let me know. Mm-hmm. Like, Come on, Alex. You know, at that time, you're compensated with what? Money. Yeah. You get bonuses. If I don't do my job. Yeah. And here's the best part. All of our bonuses were the same. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter. And this is how Murray had it designed. It didn't matter if I did a billion dollars in sales and you did a dollar. Yeah. Our weekly bonus was the same. Wow. So, you know, whether we achieved utilization or not, that's what taught me in business to work as a team. Because mm-hmm. if I was dropping the ball, do you know mm-hmm. how bad I feel? Is yeah. Humper, you just did all the work. Teammate. I'm getting the same bonus as you. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. kind of like a teammate when you're totally. sitting there on the second or third line or yeah. fourth line and, you know, your team's winning, team's winning, but I'm really not trying very hard, but mm-hmm. the team's winning success. What happens at the end? The team's going to, you know, it's time to make changes at the end of the year. Yep. And, and that's how they ran it. They ran it just as if it was mm-hmm. any sports team, any sports franchise. So mm-hmm. it uh, it was kind of unique. So that was my first taste of business in a sense of how to get the most out of your co-workers are yep. you know i hate saying employees because they're never employees you know we built star valley when we started star valley it was purely built on family and trust so so you're, uh, so you're picking things up you know you worked for somebody for 12 years kind of cut your teeth yeah and did actually did somebody sit you down and tell you the things you're learning or did were you start connecting your own dots and and, and learning things that way I, I essentially i connected my own dots in a sense we all have key attributes and key strengths in life um, you know, do I wish I was more analytic when it came to numbers and stuff? Yeah, I can look at a spreadsheet and tell you exactly what the yep. the numbers say, what your EBITDA numbers are, what your net losses are, what your profits are. Um, but is it something I enjoy? I don't like that stuff. Mm-hmm. I really don't. All I care about at the end of the year is did we make or lose money? Did we break even? Um, but obviously to make the most of your company. I want to get the most out of my coworkers. Yep. Um, now, Star Valley, in a sense, it, we're not a big company. We're not huge. And, you know, we're not a multinational company. We, we run very tight. We still run tight, like most service companies downtown right now. Yep. We run as a tight net unit, as a tight family. So, and it's just a matter of getting the most out of my coworkers or my teammates. Yep. So, and we do make ourselves accountable. Like, you know, one of, uh, uh, one of our VPs, Graham, you know, good buddy of mine. He's now running, he's down there with my partner in Texas right now. Graham is the best at calling anybody out. Awesome. He's amazing. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and he would, he's not shy to say, Alex, pick it up. Yep. It's like, look at him. Like, okay, well, I, s- I kind of started the company, but you know what? <laughs> he's right. Like the guy goes 110 miles an hour and, mm-hmm. Who might have sit back and go 70 miles an hour? Yeah. But he does it to anybody. And I love that because, you know, what is he? He's an ex-basketball player. He's an ex-player. Yeah. Um, you know, he's an ex-athlete. He gets what it takes to push yourself to the next level. Do you think it's trust? Do you think it's like you grew up in the dressing room, you kind of, you understand that it's a, it's, it's a group working towards something, a common goal, and it's okay to be called out because you know that person has the best interest of the entire team that's that's what they're that's their direction they're coming from they're not just picking on one person they're looking at the big picture which i think is a i don't know it's such a team thing see but you just dated us by saying that that's our era Mm. you can't do that anymore right now if you know i'm not going to fault anyone but certain sports associations out there whether it's in hockey basketball rugby lacrosse lacrosse, doesn't matter if i sit there and say humphreys you're 
you're not doing very good right now. Yeah. You need to pick it up. Well, with society nowadays, the first reaction is you're picking on my kid. Right. So I'm not picking on your kid. I'm trying to get the most out of your kid. No, no, you're single-handedly picking on my kid. It's defending these kids right away. Mm. And I see it as a coach. It drives me nuts as a coach. You know, so right now I coach with Redmond and uh, with Adam Redmond. Yeah. Your age, he played with you. Yeah. And we have a 1970s, 1980s style of coaching. And we don't necessarily have the best players in the league, but I'll tell you this, we have the biggest hearts in the league. Mm -hmm. And both years, the first year we went, we went on to win our championship. No way. People looked at the team and said, eh. Said, hold up, just we just need hardworking kids. Yeah. And the second year, which is last year, we had a good chance of winning it, but COVID shut us down. And now this year, obviously with COVID, it's been shitty. But we sit there and we bag skate these kids. Bag skate and hockey is something you don't even hear of anymore. We literally, if they don't perform or give us 110%, we will get it out of them with a skate. Um, but these players also realize, I don't care if you score a 1,000 goals. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you get a 1,000 assists. I don't care if yeah. all I care about, you give me 110%. Mm -hmm. And we sit there and relate to these kids that everything we do, yeah, you might think we're assholes and you come off and you swear about us and stuff, but that's wicked. That means I'm kind of getting to you. Yeah. Everything we're doing now is, you know, and I told these kids, so it'll be a couple weeks ago, probably not going to make the NHL. I can tell you who's going to make the NHL. is probably no one here who's going to make the NHL. Mm -hmm. Now, could some of you play college? Shit, yeah, because I was that fourth liner mm -hmm. that ended up playing college yep. on, based on one thing, heart. Mm -hmm. Can some of you play junior? Yeah, I'd say about half of you can play junior. But the most important thing is everything we're teaching you is to become harder working people in society, whether it's being a parent, being uh, you know in a relationship with a guy or a girl. Good teammate. A good teammate, a coworker, any of that stuff. Yep. To put your best foot forward and give 110% at anything you achieve in life. Um, now, do I agree with certain philosophies in sports now where it's equal play and all this? That drives me nuts. Because at the end of the day, who's going to get hurt? It's this kid in the future. Yeah. Because when you're going to apply for a job, I really don't give a shit about your participation bag. I, I, all I care about is your work ethic. Are you? Do you have the ability mm -hmm. to essentially work with everyone in this office yep. to achieve the, you know, the, our goal at the end of the year or at the end of the month or whatever, end of the quarter. That's all I care about. Your work ethic. Are you able to take constructive criticism without having mm -hmm. to break down in tears? Yeah. And I see a lot of these kids now and it's hard because I work with a lot of kids and I, and I, and I have a pretty good rapport with kids in terms of building that bond and that relationship. And I see kids that are down simply because that's how they've been coached a lot of times or, you know, that's how our school system is now is well, feelings and emotions, you know, and I can work with that kid on building him up, building him up, building him up to a point where not essentially a stone, but if I say something to him now, he takes it as constructive criticism. Yeah. It's not a personal attack. On. It's not a personal attack anymore. Yeah. I'm doing it because I want you yeah. to be a better person. Yeah. I want you to be a better player. Obviously I'm here to coach you so we can, you know, try to have a successful season. That's just the first step in life. You know, this is just a, a gauge or a mark in having a successful season. Well, that's irrelevant yeah. because you still have the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life. You know, the ultimate, you know, goal is to have, you know, successful life in terms of not just money. Money is evil, man. I yeah. just learned in the last year, you know, money changes a lot of people. A lot of people put things into perspective right now. Don't gauge life's successes based on money. Base it, base, uh, you know, on family, on mm -hmm. relationship yep. goals, just with your friends, your your neighbors, you mm -hmm. know, your community in general, yep. what you can do to help others, you know. And, you know, I, I think we're small steps, you know, coaching with Adam. Yeah, he's a little bit harsh. He's a little 
too old school sometimes. Yeah. I sit there and roll my eyes. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, did you just say that? You know, but then you see these kids are laughing. Like they kind of get it. Like, they kind of get what he's saying. And none of these kids' jaws have dropped and getting ready to run outside and tell mom and dad this is what was said. Good. So, you know, I, it's kind of positive in a sense. I got these, we got these 16 or 17, 14 year old boys right now. And, you know, they're going to be pretty good citizens in society. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with all the events that we do to raise money, we, we get them involved. They see it. I cool. want them to see that, cool. you know, we're pretty fortunate, you guys. You know, you're, you're playing this sport. It costs quite a bit of money. Like, mm -hmm. it's not cheap anymore. And that's my next downfall with sports is people have taken it to a point where they've made it a business. Yeah. And it's left kids behind because their parents don't have the financial means. For sure. To excel, like you, you imagine, would, you imagine, you imagine if you would, oh, if man. both of our, if we grew up the same way, our dads did the same thing. We if, wouldn't if, be playing. If AAA cost our parents fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars, it's unreal, man. There's, I don't think, I don't think I would have been playing. There's no way we would have been playing. It's unreal. Like it's, um, and you know what? And again, I'm not dating myself, and I understand the industry, like any industry, changes over time. But you know, this happened just so quick. This literally happened. It started in about the last eight, nine years where the mm -hmm. cost of sports started doing this, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, and it's unfortunate because the people that drove the cost, I'm, I'm using hockey as an example. I can't comment on basketball or football or anything because I don't play those sports, but a lot of it was non-hockey guys. For sure. Business. That did this. Yep. Businesses that did this yep. and drove the price of hockey up yep. to a point where parents say, I, I can't afford $150 an hour mm -hmm. to, to put my kid through, mm -hmm. you know, now for our buddies and stuff, you know, that do all this coaching hats off to them. They, totally. know, they, they got into an industry now that yeah. somebody, you know, um, created, but our buddies that all played also got good hearts. Cause I can almost call on 99.99% of them and say, listen, I got a group of kids from say, mm -hmm. you know, Southeast Calgary don't have a lot of money. I'll donate the ice. Would you mind giving them a session? Yeah. 100%. I'll be no out problem. there in two seconds. They don't forget their roots. Totally. You know, but I'm hoping to see the next crop of players coming up, those guys in their 20s. I don't think they get it like our generation would right now because yeah. uh, they're focused on this right now. Maybe later. Maybe, maybe later. I maybe. think they will. They'll learn. You yeah. got to remember, we were hotheads. Yeah. Like, I was a hothead. Yeah. Uh, but we were motivated by money back then, though. There was, there's none around back just, then, right? It's just pride. Back then? No, it's a matter of having five bucks to go to Cowboys totally. for a 25 cent draft. So, um, what, so what's your, you know, the whole, your, the energy that you have for kids and, and charities is obviously, um, you're quite passionate about yeah. it. And then it's, it's spun into another business opportunity, which is, it'd be interesting how you, if it's just further going down this path yeah. of developing kids or where this all came from. About so, boxing. Yeah, so explain. Yeah, sorry. So, it up for so my son uh, has been part of a, a group called Olympus Boxing. And he was coached under Angelo B. He was a current pro boxer, young kid in town. And, you know, I bring him in and it was this thousand square foot, you know, warehouse with a nice ring, five bags and blood everywhere. Like it was Rocky style. It was awesome. <laughs> my kid loved it. Uh, you know, I loved it. Downfall, I couldn't bring my wife there and, just because of blood everywhere. It she would let you was, back in. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was just a dungeon. It was a real fight club, right? And no one ever knew what it was like in there because no one talks about fight club. Yep. And it was about a year, a couple of years ago, I sat down with Angela and said, listen, if you're interested, I'm involved on the hockey side. I boxed for almost 30 years just through con for conditioning and hockey. It has always been a part of you know my life, especially after my playing days. I just continued to box and do Muay Thai. Yep. And uh, 
from there, we COVID hit. Uh, the landlord wasn't being very receptive. Um, and I'm going to take a step back. There is no money in boxing. Like when someone owns a boxing club, there is zero money in boxing. Boxing is a culture. Boxing is 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 an avenue for kids that don't have the means or the resources to get into other sports. It's very inexpensive. And and I'll tell you this, Angelo and myself, um, you know, we got a lot of kids that don't pay just because, and I'm saying just demographically, we are first locations in the Northeast. Yeah. Some parents just don't have the means. Yeah. And we don't charge very much. Um, but what I have done with a lot of kids is, okay, you can't afford it. Some teenagers, they want to do it. Help us clean. You're still part of the club, but you know what? Cool. We have deep clean days. We have cleaning days. So we get the kids involved. They work it off in that sense. Um, and it just started just momentum. Just so, what, started, so what happened? You, you, you started talking to him about, you know, after COVID hit, and he's trying to figure out what he has to do with his club. So where, where do you? Yeah, at that point, he's, uh, his landlord wouldn't work with him. Just, yeah. You know, the pandemic just hit. Landlords quite didn't understand the severity of mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. and the impact on business in terms of revenues coming in, yep. expenses going out. You know, we all thought it was going like, to, I was under the impression, okay, shit happened in March. By July, we're going to be back to normal. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we're coming on a year and a half right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we took everything out and uh, put it in storage. And at that point, one of our one of our uh, members owned a plaza. Literally just, remember the old uh, body shop? Yep. Right across the street. So I got okay. Day, yeah, I've never been there. I never went to the body Me shop. Either. There you go. <laughs> so, right, right I heard, across, I heard right about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, the body shop in Mustangs, I think is what it's called. So it's funny when guys call like our vintage. Where is it? No body shop? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Right across the street. Um, so he owned the plaza across the street and said, hey, do you want to get space? And we, we started there. Um, partnered? So you guys partnered yeah, up? Yeah, we're partners 50-50. Yep. Um, so Angelo's career is obviously pro boxing. Yep. Um, kind of give everyone a snapshot. In boxing, where anyone makes any financial gains is through privates. And now I have my day job. I do my thing. Yeah, I love the culture of boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to create a cool culture, I need a cool atmosphere. And Angelo had that. He had all the top fighters in the city at the time, amateur fighters, and we got them involved. So these guys have never, ever coached. They're mm-hmm. all amazing fighters. So we started, this is, again, now going back to being a good teammate, and we talked to all the guys and said, hey, who wants to become a coach? Well, what do you do? Just create it, take care of the venue, keep it clean, and just build a culture. Yeah. And from there, a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of our fighters, I think we went from Angelo being the only coach and his brother, George, Habib. I think we got almost, what, 13 or 14 coaches awesome. now? And we've created more avenues of revenue for these guys to survive in life. Mm-hmm. And now the club just sustains itself and keeps going. Cool. Now we've got... We've got Calgary. We've got Chestermere expanded from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we partnered up with Built Strong out of Okotoks. Um, we also teamed up with Legacy Boxing off 106. And then the you know the coolest one is uh, I don't know if you remember Jody Lavelle, Brent Dodging Horses' brother. Gotcha. No way. Yeah. So so I we um, we, we talked to Sutina about opening a club on the reserve there, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, just due to their space limitations and their seven chiefs. We couldn't find a spot to open a club. And I think we'll probably look at something down the road when they do an addition. Yep. At that point, they're like, why don't you call Jody, which is Dodger's brother, out in Satsika? Okay. So I called Jody up, all-time hockey buddy. We're mm-hmm. going back 30, 40 years. Pretty easy conversation. Easy conversation. I haven't talked to the guy in yeah, 30 yeah, years. But it doesn't matter. But it's as if we've been in the dressing <laughs> yeah. room every day. And then from there, we created a program out on the re- on uh, Satsika Nation. 
which is kind of cool. So we actually awesome. went out there. We looked at the old rink, brought back memories. I haven't skated in that rink in no way. 40 years. I walk in it's the same building. It's obviously different now, but it's yep. the same building. And we opened up a club in there and then COVID hit. So mm. um, we've got all the gear. It's all set up, ready to You're go. Ready to roll. Uh, and again, it comes back to just giving kids options. You know, it's just giving them avenues. Unfortunately, out in, say, the Northeast or in Sitsika, there isn't. Yep. Options for hockey for some families. Yep. So, you know, it gets pretty pricey and pretty sure. costly. So, you know what? How about boxing? Option. I've never had a kid come in and not like boxing. Uh, and it's great in a sense because boxing is great for conditioning, cardio, uh, just building self esteem. Mm -hmm. You know, I get a lot of kids that come in that mm -hmm. are just uh, like one of my pet peeves is bullying. Like, I've got viewpoints on bullying. Mm. Um, I'm a guy that has zero tolerance for bullying. My viewpoint is if you're getting bullied, bullied on, punch them. Mm -hmm. This is me. I know people might not like it. I'm, you know, but yeah. uh, my vintage, if, if if someone so much has said a word to me growing up, mm -hmm. you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. um, now, do I condone kids to fight? No, I don't, obviously. But at the same time, Stick up for yourself. Self-respect. You get self-respect. Yeah, I'm not saying go out there and start yeah. slugging guys. Yeah. Um, now, if I find out any of my boxers are out as assholes, like or being out it. there bullying, that'd be the last day in my club. Like, yeah. There's no zero tolerance for that. Um, but we have a lot of kids that come in, and uh, we just build their confidence. And mm -hmm. a big part of it, and I tell a lot of these kids, even in, the, uh, in sports, I got kids right now going into bantam. They're a little timid. But you know what? Let's work on some cool combos, some cool pads. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have this growing up. So the only way back then that we could show that we were tough is you had to fight. Yeah. So a lot of kids now, they come in and they're amazing at pads. I mean, post it. Mm -hmm. Post it on social media. Totally. You should see how much room is created some of these kids on the ice because people now see, oh, mm -hmm. shit, he's boxing. He's got this in his back pocket. Yeah, but in reality, there's no one fights anymore in hockey. <laughs> totally. So, um, But they, it's still a game of intimidation, sports. Yep. And any sport is mm -hmm. still a game of intimidation. Mm -hmm. um, but no, it's been great. Like we've got up to now, I would say almost 400 youth right now Good in our you, program. Um, and just slowly plucking away. We just started, you know, the world's changed a lot, obviously, with women now getting attacked and whatnot. Mm -hmm. We created a women's self-defense. I saw um, that one, yeah. Uh, I think we have every Sunday about 120 girls come through our program. We do it for free. Awesome, man. You know, you know for, I see some guys out there that are doing some of these programs that you know, we're going to charge 10 bucks for what? Mm -hmm. Honestly, for what? Mm -hmm. You know, if you truly cared about women's self-defense, yep. you would just do it and teach them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll cover like, any costs associated to my coaches. My coaches looked at me and, why would you pay me? This is something kind of cool. That's so good, man. That's culture. Empower, yeah, we're just trying to empower women and, yep. and, uh, and, and to see, you know, how some of these guys are now. These are men. If you're gonna go prey on a girl, man, you're a dog. Mm. You're you're an absolute dog. You're mm. a piece of shit in my eyes. Um, so the least we can do is at least teach some of these women, you know, yep. at least a combo, three yep. or four punches to keep you off them. Totally. Uh, and go from there. So um, so it's been pretty unique. It's been a pretty cool ride. It's cool. It's cool to watch. Obviously, I've been watching from a distance. Social. That's the one thing about social media. It lets yeah. it lets us stay connected to a bunch of characters. You know, unfortunately, we just all we can't stay connected to everybody. Yeah. But online, you just get to see what. What, what guys are up to, which is obviously why I reached out to you. How do you, um, how do you decide when you're going to make a move like business wise? You know, like, is it, I'm, re I'm really, and this is me, you know, being selfish and yeah. asking a question because yeah. it, it's, it's really interesting to hear how, you know, successful guys like yourself, how they decide to do things. For me, the biggest thing is it's the day you get up in the morning and a couple key factors. So it's the day you get up in the morning, you really don't want to go to work anymore. 
And I'm not saying you don't want to go to work, but it's just like, oh, I got to go to work. It's work. You know, and uh, and when it sucks, when I was at Enzyme, I love going to work every day. I absolutely, yeah, there wasn't a day I ever got up and said, oh, I got to go to work. I absolutely love working there. It was fun. That one was different because I was young and I figured it was a time to learn more. And that's mm-hmm. when I started it. Uh, with Star Valley right now, I still get up in the morning. Yeah, COVID sucks. It, I hate going to work because it's only me and Ryan there because everyone's working from home right mm-hmm. now. So, but pre-COVID, yeah, I loved it because I love the team. I love going in and seeing everybody and yep. shooting the shit and I just go for a coffee and, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I'm hoping we're going to get back to that by July, August. Uh, um, so that's the one thing when it's no longer fun to get up in the morning and obviously at the right time, like you need to make certain if you are to sell anything and not walk away from something you started, you want to achieve the highest multiple. So it's just comes down to market conditions. Yeah. So, you know, you could be in the auto industry, the aircraft industry, oil and gas. It's just a matter of getting that right multiple on your EBITDA numbers, your earnings before debt. Yeah. So, uh, to make it viable. So, so you did make a few dollars off all your hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough right now. You know, there isn't a sector out there, whether you're in natural resources or to um, auto, to maybe housing right now, guys are making a killing. Yeah. Um, but even that one, I shake my head at. You know, everyone's right now, you know, uh, buying houses. But I just look at it and, yeah, I got realtor buddies making a fortune right now. But as a buyer, man, you're overpaying right now. Yeah, you're wild. in a market. Are you going to make that return back? Mm-hmm. So right now I'm looking at buying some houses with my cousins and just to buy and flip. And my yeah. realtor is awesome because I sit there with the seam and I say, how about this house? He's like, too much. I'm like, what do you too much? There's no, he's like, yeah, because you're going to pay 20, 30,000 over market price. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the cost of your reno totally. essentially because you throw lipstick into it. Yep. That's your net profit. Yep. So, you know, I look at the real estate market right now and I just kind of shake my head. And it's hot. It, it's hot, but- yeah. On That's the flip dangerous. end, at the flip end, are you going to make you that money back? Not right now. You're not going to. No. You know, you look at cost of lumber right now. Like, you know, I'm, I made, I built this massive outdoor rink inside of my house. I yeah. built it for the community. It's huge. <laughs> I saw it, yeah. Oh, it looks like, it's like, uh, what was that football sh- uh, show, uh, Lights? Oh, uh, uh, Friday Night Lights? Friday Night. It looks like Friday Night Lights. Like when I, I mean, I got light towers up and going to be a hundred kids playing hockey. It's so cool. <laughs> awesome. And uh, I got to do some repairs to it. And I look and I'm like, holy shit, it's a hundred bucks for a sheet of plywood. Mm-hmm. So I got friends right now literally just doing deals on houses and they're buying them. Like, you guys, you should wait a bit because just the cost of your lumber now, are you going to recoup that? It's probably up 30, right? 30 Man, points. No, you look at some, but some of it's up almost uh, four times from March of last year. So I think that same sheet, and I, I don't know why I know this. I know dumb facts on everything. No, no, it's because you grew up in construction. Because you grew up in construction. It was like 29 bucks a sheet for a, a four by eight, three quarter inch sheet of plywood. And it's now sitting at $95. I'm like, that is insane. <laughs> you know uh, exactly yeah. why you remember those things. You know, so, um, so the, you know, there needs to be a right time to make a business decision. Yeah. Uh, but you're and, like gut? Like, are you, a, are you a gut person? Are you a numbers person? Are you a situational person? Like the gym, for example, you saw an opportunity or yeah. like, where is it? Well, like I said, the gym, I haven't made any money off of. The gym is more of a culture that I create. But just but like a, you decide you know, to get involved for a reason. And that's I, where. I got involved. Okay. I, I, I sh- there can be money in boxing. Like, you know, I looked at the gym. There can be money in it. Um, and kind of break it down for someone. For someone that owns a boxing club, where you make your money is if you do everything yourself. Yep. Meaning I get up in the morning, I clean the washrooms, mm-hmm. I mop, mm-hmm. I teach all the classes, yep. I do all the privates. Yep. I do everything. Yep. But now I'm married to my work and I can't enjoy my wife and my kids and all that stuff. Yep. Um, 
you know, where I love is the culture I created my fighters, which is my youth, which a lot of them go to university or college and, you know, SAIT or whatever. They're, they're getting into careers they want to do down the road. But I created a culture for my youth for somewhere to hang out, cool. you know, and, and I do. I get a ton of calls. I still do the odd private for friends of mine, but I don't charge them. I just, I enjoy doing it. Yep. I love doing it. It gives me time to, you know, Humper said, hey, I want to yep. teach me up. Shit, that's whole pads. Yep. But I give it to my youth and I created a culture. I created somewhere for my kids to hang out. That's the biggest part now. So a lot of us are so consumed with work, work, work that we don't have time for a lot of our, now not everyone has kids, but, you know, a lot of time to spend with our family. Well, right now, you know what? When I get home from work at 4 or 4.30 or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and I go to my two daughters and my son, hey, you guys want to go to the gym? Yeah, let's go. Awesome. You know, my wife's there, and it gives me that ability. Well, that's what we're into. We're just mm -hmm. into, we're into sports. We yep. love sports. So it gives us the ability to go to the gym. We get there at 5 o'clock at night. They hang out with all the fighters. You know, we all work out together. By 8.30, come home. Everyone has a shower, goes to bed. Cool, man. So it gave us, that's our thing, where some yep. people like to go camping or, you know, whatever. Ours is going to the gym together as a family. So, um, you know, it's a big part of my life. The gym is huge. I'm 44 years old. Mm -hmm. and, you know, if I didn't have that gym, with the amount of things that I got going on in life, you know, because um, I sit on other boards. I'm president of the Calgary Lebanese Association. You know, that takes a lot of time. But for me, the gym is my avenue. It's that one time I can sit there, put my phone on the side, yep. and say, you know what, it's I'm not answering it for an focus. hour. Focus. You know, so and, and people need to take more time for themselves. Like, I don't know about... What you do for yourself, whether it's meditation, sitting on your deck, going for a drive. Ride my bike, buddy. Yeah, so ride your bike. Everyone's got their thing. Mine is literally sitting in the gym. That's cool, man. You know, like, you know, I have a trainer, uh, Sarah Bardusco, and mm -hmm. uh, her family, it's actually ironic, her family trained me from 96, or 97 to 02 in Halifax. I came out here, her brother, CJ Hollett, he owns uh, 101 Academy. He was my trainer when I got out here. Mm -hmm. And then she's trained me the last five or six years. And it's been, you know, and it comes back to loyalty and friendship and all that. And I've stuck with this family since 1996. And <laughs> so uh, crazy. Man. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, um, you know, to build bonds with people and, and just to be loyal to my friends yep. and whatnot. It's you rare, man. It's, know, it's rare. It is, you know, and it's the ability to overcome. Like, yeah, like, yeah, we fought each other. Didn't hold a grudge, mm -hmm. you know, right back to when I said, I think that was the weekend Caleb Toth knocked me out. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a prick because I remember we were in the dressing room and <laughs> I'm a fighter, he's a fighter. And and uh, I had no idea he was a lefty. I had no, no clue he was a lefty. And then uh, he's in the warm up and I'm like, Caleb, you want to fight? We're both rookies or second year or whatever we yeah. are. And, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, we line up, we square up. Puck hasn't even dropped yet. We're ready. So we drop our gloves, thinking we're going to square up, fix our hair. I can make it look good. We're going to show these rookies what it's like. Pop a left right <laughs> off my chin. Fucking eyes roll back. And he felt so bad because when I fell back, he grabbed me. So he didn't like. He grabbed me because I was falling backwards. And he, you know, like, here's Hallett, 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 Hallett. <laughs> I opened up. I looked at him like, you're an asshole. You're a fucking asshole. Why'd you hit me like that? And I think I even said, when did you throw lefts? Like, when did you learn to throw a left? You know, because back then we were all rights at the time. Totally. I didn't expect it. I think his dad even gave him shit for it. Oh, yeah. yeah I think he's a, his dad was a big man. He crossed the line. Are you guys idiots? So, but uh, it was uh, good. And I, you know, and fast forward all these years, he went on to play for the Calgary Roughnecks. Mm -hmm. And I still talk to him on a daily basis. It's so cool, man. Uh, you know, and I think he's living out in BC right now doing his thing, selling steel or something. But, 
Um, it's awesome. But it's, no, it's, it's, it's so cool. It all, yeah, it's all connected. Dude, I think you and I could talk for hours and hours. We should probably put a bow in this sucker. Yeah, no, man, it's been awesome. I appreciate catching up and talking uh, about old things. So. Yeah, man. And so the way, obviously, the, the way I like to, the show's called The Calgary Sessions. The way mm-hmm. I like to, to, the only question I really have planned all the time was I asked my guests, you know, when I say Calgary, what does it mean to you? And, and that's the way we end the show. And I'm, uh, I'll be really curious to hear how you answer this one. Long-term loyalty to my friend, just loyalty to my friends. Just, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I hope my friends do the same. And yep. just being loyal to my buddies, all my bros growing up. So I'll always be there for them. So be loyalty. So that's cool, man. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's unique, man. Growing up, born and raised in Calgary, the two of us, it's just, it's, we get access to a bunch of really cool characters in the city. And uh, that's why I really love, love the show. Cause I get to catch up with dudes like you. So thanks for making the time. No, I appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure catching up. We'll talk so, soon. Later.